rewarding careers, experiences of a lifetime. Explore Travel PT at ariusmedical.com. A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com. NPTE StudyCast. Welcome back to NPTE StudyCast. I'm your host, Jimmy McKay. Returning on the show, Ellen Hillegas. Ellen, welcome back. Thanks, Jimmy, for having me. We're talking heart failure today in the area of cardiopulmonary PT for the uh, the big exam that's uh, coming up. How do you briefly describe that pathology to students? Heart failure is actually when the heart isn't able to meet the demands of the body. It's actually failing to meet the demands. And the key thing to keep in mind is all the different aspects of heart failure, all the different definitions. So let me just give you a couple to refresh your memory. Okay. Cardiogenic shock is when there's truly no ability to meet the demands, and the patient will die if not treated immediately. That's when there's an extremely low cardiac output. Then there's right heart failure. Right heart failure is the inability to pump enough blood to the lungs for gas exchange. So the backup, if it doesn't pump it up to the lungs, it backs up into the periphery. And what you'd physically see is swelling in both hands, both feet. You'd see jugular venous distension. Then you have left heart failure. The left heart pumps the blood out to the rest of the body. But if it's unable to pump the blood sufficiently to the rest of the body, it's going to back up. First back up to the left atrium, then up to the pulmonary vein, and then to the lungs. And you'd have congestion in your lungs. And what a person would complain of is inability to lay flat, short of breath at night, and shortness of breath with all sorts of activities because they can't get the oxygen to their system and they've got flooding in the lungs. And then you have two other descriptors, Systolic heart failure is really left heart failure, inability to pump sufficiently out. So it's a problem with the squeezing of the heart. So they would have a lower ejection fraction. But with diastolic heart failure, that's the inability of the heart to sufficiently relax or allow blood into the heart. And that's much more difficult for us to find on a chart. It doesn't flash and neon lights can be picked up on an echo. But if you can't let blood into the heart, then you can't send a lot of blood out to the rest of the body. So diastolic heart failure will have a normal ejection fraction. But when they go to exercise, they can't get enough blood out during activity. Anatomy. There's the overview of heart failure. And I think you probably mentioned all the uh, the usual cast of characters, but let's just quickly review what's involved. Make sure we don't miss anything. Okay. So we're talking about the heart. The left heart goes to the body, the right heart goes to the lungs, and then all the vessels in between that go in and out of the heart. The blood vessels going up to the venous return into the right heart, then the pumping into the lungs, then the return into the left heart, and then the pumping out the aorta to the rest of the body. Special tests. All right, looking at it in terms of testing and how to figure out those different types of heart failure, uh, where do you start to look at those with tools? Well, a couple of them you can do without even major diagnostics. So one is observing the patient and how's their breathing sitting up. Do they have a bulging jugular vein? Do they have edema swelling in both their hands or their feet? Can they lay flat or do they need a couple of pillows to sleep on or do they have to sleep in their recliner? Then after you listen to those symptoms and you look for swelling, you can take your stethoscope out and listen to the lungs. If there's fluid in the lungs when they're sitting up, you would hear bibasal or crackles or rails. You wouldn't hear those crackles and rails for right heart failure, but you hear that for left heart. Then you look at their vital signs. What's their resting blood pressure? 
So a person's resting blood pressure should be a systolic of 90 or greater. And their resting heart rate should be 70, 80-ish. And when we have heart failure, we have low systolic pressures, and we often have higher resting heart rates unless they're on beta blockers. And they should have a normal oxygen saturation. Then the next thing is, is you can go to diagnostic tests like a chest x-ray. And a chest x-ray can show the size of the heart as well as fluid in the lungs from left back up. Another diagnostic test would be an echo. An echocardiography can tell you about their ejection fraction. So if their ejection fraction is below 35%, we have systolic heart failure, left heart failure. And you can also look at the echo report and see if they have diastolic dysfunction. And then you can look at lab tests. So the lab test that tells you that you have acute decompensated heart failure would be your brain natriuretic peptide, your BNP. And if it's greater than 700, you have decompensated heart failure. So those are the kinds of things you would look for in heart failure. Differential diagnosis. Differential diagnosis. Uh, there are a lot of questions to ask. You mentioned in, in terms of tools, observation, auscultation, and then some more tests. What are some things that this could be confused for in differential diagnosis? Well, anyone who says they're short of breath, we're thinking lungs. It could be asthma. It could be some kind of lung disease, COPD. But if we have COPD, you would see significantly lower SpO2s at rest. You'd see chronic changes in the chest wall. You see changes in the muscles of the chest wall. If they have an interstitial lung disease, again, we'd probably see a lower SpO2, and we might see greater accessory muscle use. We could auscultate and hear abnormal lung sounds not in bilateral bases, but throughout. We might also hear ronchi from secretions. We might hear wheezing from asthma. That's the way to differentially diagnose. Look at the symptoms, look also at SpO2, and look at physical features, and then auscultate. Treatment examples. Where does a physical therapist come into play with heart failure? We don't treat heart failure, and we also don't work with patients who are in decompensated heart failure. That means that not only is their BNP elevated, but they're sitting at rest, short of breath, and they can't do any activities because they're so short of breath. And they may not be able to lay down because they're full of fluid. Okay. So we don't work with those. And we need to identify those because those people can go from compensated heart failure into decompensated heart failure overnight with the flu, with anything. So we need to understand what decompensated heart failure is. But we do work with compensated heart failure. And these are people who aren't short of breath at rest. Now, they may be short of breath with minimal activity, but they're not short of breath at rest and can do their ADLs at rest. What we do is we evaluate their responses to progressive activities and make sure they have normal responses. That means taking vital signs. That means taking their heart rate as well as their blood pressure and their SpO2 with activity. And then limiting their exercise duration when they reach to exercise intolerance, when their blood pressure, heart rate, SpO2 starts to go abnormal, when it's not remaining normal. So we might do multiple bouts of whatever activity, whether it be strengthening, sit-to-stands, walking, within that limit of where they're having a normal response. And then the other thing, we play a huge role in education. So we want to talk about preventing changes. So when they have changes in their symptoms, when they have changes in their fluid by checking on the scale, we want them to call the doctor or the nurse practitioner right away. So we want to teach education about prevention, prevention of getting worse off heart failure. When they're starting to decompensate, you want to catch them, not when they've gained eight pounds of fluid and they can't sit, lay down or anything. So you want to catch them early. 
So exercise bouts work on strengthening, work on duration, and also education. Here's your example question. Last part of the episode here is the sample question. How might this appear on the NPTE? Well, you might see a statement that says a patient reports he's been having short of breath since discharge from the hospital. And he's noticed that he needs to sleep on more pillows. He's very short of breath when laying down. What type of exercise program should we do with the patient today? All right. So there's the question right there. Where would you direct a, a student to focus on with that statement and what should they do? Well, they should evaluate for decompensated heart failure. And so they should listen to their lungs and see if they can do any activities, if they're having abnormal responses. And that means call the doctor. Keep in mind that, uh, again, the NPTE is to test your knowledge, but really it's, uh, it's to test your ability to identify situations that you can treat in safely. So look for those red flags. And in that sample question, you notice he needs to sleep on more pillows, short of breath when laying down. Those are the things that stand out. Yeah. And we see a lot of patients in the home and these guys are high risk for rehospitalization. We need to be having our ears up and tuned into this all the time. That is heart failure with Ellen Hillegas here on NPTE StudyCast. Download free study guides now at ariusmedical.com slash NPTE StudyCast. A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com slash NPTE StudyCast. Rewarding careers, experiences of a lifetime. Explore travel PT at ariusmedical.com. NPTE StudyCast. Brewed by the PT Pinecast.